Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Monday, December 2nd, 2019. This is Jay Zawoski. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And wow, since we last spoke, things have not gone well for the Blackhawks. They've lost two games at the Colorado Avalanche, being outscored 12 to 5. Duncan Keith was injured. Robin Leonard flipped out on his teammates on the bench. And boy, what was feeling like an uh, upward trend just a couple days ago suddenly feels like a wake-up call, a little dose of reality for the Blackhawks and Blackhawks fans. Before we get into breaking down the games and all the news of the weekend, I want to tell you how to get in touch. Because the Blackhawks play tonight, we're going to move Talk Back Tuesday to Wednesday. So you have an extra day to submit those questions, but make sure you get them in. 708-653-0572 is the number for voicemails. You guys came through in awesome fashion last week. Let's keep it up. You almost filled an entire episode with voicemails, which is great. Want to send an email? Lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. The Twitter account is at LO underscore Blackhawks. You can follow my personal account there as well, at jayzawaski670. And those of you in the South Burbs, my Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at Madhouse Pod is having an event tonight at the Barrel Club in Oak Lawn, 4910 West 111th Street. It's going to be a watch party and a live podcast afterwards. Uh, 88 Cent Bud Light and 312 Beers. 88 Cent Appetizers. So plenty of reasons to come out to the Barrel Club in Oak Lawn and watch the game with us. All right, but let's get right to it. The Hawks lose by a combined 12-5 to in the two games against the Colorado Avalanche on Friday and Saturday and those scores are very indicative of the play. We saw the Hawks play two really solid games against Dallas. And I felt like that might have been a turning point to consistency. Yes, they've had a good streak of games, but they were still getting sort of outpossessed, outplayed, and just happening to win. And the games against Dallas, even the first game where they lost in the shootout, you saw the system working. The Hawks were controlling the puck. They were in control of the game. And all of a sudden, the Colorado Avalanche show up in Chicago and skate circles around the Hawks. And we've talked all season, and even before this season, that the Blackhawks were a team that lacked speed. We know that. But holy crap, was it exposed against the Avalanche. A fast, big team And I picked the Avalanche early this season to win the Western Conference. I stand by it. They're the most impressive team I've seen this year. And they're about to get Gabriel Landeskog back. They got Miko Rantanen back on Saturday night. And did he clown Connor Murphy? Oh, my God. And look, I've said all year, Connor Murphy's the Hawks' best defenseman. It's not a knock on Murphy. It just shows you how great Rantanen is. Murphy tries to stand him up and Ranton and just bumps him off like a, you know, if you're at a family party and a little kid like walks into your hip and you knock him over, that's what Connor Murphy looked like. After Ranton and did that, he went and went ahead and scored a goal seconds later. Just absolute domination from the Avalanche this weekend. And after the game Saturday night, Robin Leonard was asked, what went wrong? What was the problem? 
why couldn't you guys slow down the avalanche? And here's what he had to say. If we weren't good enough, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't care, you know. Just shake it off and next game, it's not, it's not what it is. You know, we've shown that we can play. It's just we have to decide to play the, the right way uh, all the time. We can't just uh, go chasing uh, in the offense and then just totally forget about the defense. You know, defense is the most important part, and we have really good, skilled offensive players here that can counterattack when the other team makes mistakes. But uh, we seem to get in trouble, you know, when we try throw too much at them and and we uh, don't do the things that, that makes it successful consistently enough. So we uh, we definitely have to. It's just time to look ourselves in the mirror and just do the right things. It's kind of what it's all about. Uh, it's uh, it's on us as players to do the right things. That audio courtesy of ChicagoBlackhawks.com. We thank them as always for use of the audio. And and there you had it, Robin Leonard. Um, if you watched the game Saturday, you saw how pissed he was when he got yanked in that game. And look, he he wasn't at his best. There's no doubt about that. But. This is not how the Blackhawks should look if Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford aren't superhuman. That's an unrealistic expectation to expect them to come out and be Patrick Waugh one night and Dominic Hasek the next night and you just sort of hang on for dear life. The Hawks have to help out their goalies, and that's what Robin Leonard is talking about. And while we all, myself included, celebrated the fact that Jeremy Cowan took the reins off the offense a little bit, what Leonard is saying is, They've completely, at least in those two games, decided not to play defense. And that's what it looked like. How many wide open looks did the Avalanche have Friday and Saturday? Just unpressured. There was a goal they scored where Nathan McKinnon was uncovered near the Blackhawks goal line. Like, okay, it's a tough angle. I understand that. How is no one aware of where Nathan McKinnon is? There were some troubling things in those games, and part of me is willing to just say, you know what, the Avalanche are that much better than the Blackhawks, and I believe that. They are. I think the Avalanche might actually be the next Blackhawks. With Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, Nazem Kadri, Kale McCarr, who's already one of the best defensemen in hockey at 21 years old in his rookie season. They've got Bowen Byram coming up next year. That team's going to be awesome for a long time. They remind me a lot of the Blackhawks before they had their run of Stanley Cup. So they may very well be the next great team in the NHL. And I'm willing to look at those two games now that I've had a night to sleep on it. I'm recording this podcast late Sunday night. Now they've had a night to sleep on it, I'm willing to say, Okay, they caught the Hawks off guard. They caught the Hawks maybe feeling a little fat and happy after the success they had versus Dallas. But man, the, the other thing too, and I can't, it has to be mentioned, the Hawks play, are playing without Duncan Keith. They're playing without Dylan Strom. They're playing without Drake Kajula. All of these things are realities that cannot be ignored. Two of their more important players in Keith and Strom are out. So... I don't know if that's going to be the difference between the Hawks winning or losing either of those games. Keith obviously started the game Friday but didn't finish, didn't play at all on Saturday. But it certainly didn't help them that Duncan Keith was replaced by Slater Cuckoo. That is about as big of a drop-off as you can have in hockey when you go from one player to the next. And by the way, 
I know you're asking it. Why wasn't Adam Boquist called up? No one really said why, but just sort of reading the tea leaves, that would indicate to me that they expect Keith to be back sooner than later. If they thought he was going to be out for any extended period of time, it would probably be Boquist up here, but because they think it's probably only going to be a game or two, that's why Ian McCoshin was called up instead of Adam Boquist. But there's a lot to get to, a lot to unpack, and we're just getting started here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On, all one word. Listening on the go, if you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here, reminding you that Wednesday will be Talk Back Tuesday. I know that's confusing, but because the Blackhawks play tonight, Monday night, uh, we're going to we're going to postpone the Talk Back segment to Wednesday's show. Tuesday's show will be a post game, but get in touch, LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com, at LO underscore Blackhawks, and of course, leave those voicemails, 708 653 Seven two. So I think it's it's time to just I don't know. I can't really talk much more about the Avalanche series. I, I hope that we'll look back on those two games as a blip on the radar and not an indicator for how the rest of the season was going to go. And we're gonna find out. You know, the schedule is not getting any easier with Boston and St. Louis uh this week and some other tough matchups coming up later in December. We're gonna find out. But man, not a great feeling after kind of the goodwill the Hawks had built up over the last little bit with those games over Dallas, all of a sudden now feelings have changed. But I, I want to get into the lines. And this, more than criticizing the lines, I think it illustrates the sort of dire straits the Hawks roster is in right now injury-wise. And when you're talking about a team that's a fringe playoff team, injuries affect them more than other teams. They have limited depth. Like Colorado has the talent to tread water while Landeskog and Rantanen are out, right? And other players are out. When the Blackhawks lose guys that important to their team, like Duncan Keith and Dylan Strom, the talent level is a huge drop-off, and there's not guys below them that can step up and fill those roles. So you had the first line Sunday night was Jonathan Taves centering Brandon Saad and Andrew Shaw. Your second line center between Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinkett was Ryan Carpenter. Third line was David Kampf centering Dominic Kublik and Anton Vadin. And your fourth line, Zach Smith centering Kirby Doc and Alex Nylander. By the way, speaking of Zach Smith, I know we're not going to spend too much time praising the Hawks here, and we shouldn't, but he's been playing pretty well for the Hawks lately, so I want to give him the credit where it's due I think Zach Smith has been playing his best hockey as a Blackhawk. But that just shows you. That just shows you how bad things are for the Blackhawks right now. It's <laughs> They're not in good shape injury-wise. And hopefully this Duncan Keith thing is temporary and only a game or two more. Or maybe he plays tonight. Who knows? I think a lot of us have been saying, oh, you know, it's ready to move on from the core guys and, you know, they'll be fine. 
They're not fine without Duncan Keith. <laughs> They're just not. There's no question about that. They, they they really have struggled without him. And those, what, four periods or whatever it was, you see the value he, he has. And Keith has had, I think a lot. most people agree on this, that Keith has had kind of a bounce back year. Not that he was terrible last season, but I think everyone's sort of waiting for that natural decline to really take place. And when he's healthy, he's playing well. And he is still, you know, probably their best two-way defenseman. Connor Murphy is their best defender. But as far as a guy who can play offense and defend, Duncan Keith is the best at it. And they miss him big time. And I think he's a guy that we've sort of taken for granted. He's been taken for granted forever because he's been so good for so long that you just get used to it. And the things that should dazzle us as Hawks fans, they seem kind of ordinary because we've seen them from Duncan Keith time after time after time. I hope that he's not out, what, beyond this weekend? I don't know. There's no indication it's going to be that long, but you know how injuries can be sometimes. You never know. And especially for a guy whose game is speed, they're going to want that to heal up before they bring Duncan Keith back. But then the question is, how long can they tread water and stay in this race if you even consider them in it anyway? How long can they hold on? How long can they stay within striking distance of a playoff spot? And as encouraged as we were last week, the way it is now, the Hawks are second to last in the Western Conference, just one point ahead of the LA Kings. The Hawks are 10-11-5. And, and they were even in goal differential, Coming out of the Dallas game, they're minus seven now. And they have to hurdle Anaheim, Minnesota, and Nashville, and Calgary, and and Vegas, and Vancouver to get into the wild card spot. So it's not just a matter of points. It's a matter of teams they have to jump. They're only five points out of the final wild card spot. And they've played 26 games. The teams ahead of them have all played 27 or more. But I don't know. I just I feel like has the hot streak come already? That's the concern. Did we see the hot streak after the Vancouver game? Was that it? Or do they have another one in them? I don't know. And look, we discussed last week about how the Montreal Canadiens were sort of sniffing around the Blackhawks. Mark Bergevin's been at some Rockford games. He's been at some Chicago games. Taking a look, Elliot Friedman and his 31 thoughts said that they were uh, on the lookout for a left-handed defenseman. That could be Eric Gustafson, right? But now, can you trade Eric Gustafson considering how much better he's played lately offensively? The defensive game will never really be there for him. I don't know. Slater Cuckoo's left-handed, but what kind of value does he have? And maybe that could explain why they played him the night they went with 11 forwards and 7D. Maybe Montreal was there, taking a look. I don't know. I, I can't imagine you can get much for Slater Cuckoo services, but something to keep an eye on. Maybe there's a trade on the horizon, uh, but hopefully the Hawks are going to get healthy sooner than later, get back to close to full strength, and uh, hopefully that happens before it's too late. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, and it is game day here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here 
Let's take a look at the St. Louis Blues. Let's go behind enemy lines. The St. Louis Blues are 17-5-6. That's good for 40 points. That is tops in the Western Conference. They are 5-2-3 over their last 10. The second-place Edmonton Oilers, as of this moment, are five points behind the Blues in the standings. That's the closest team. They're in action Sunday night against Vancouver. The final of that game has not been established, but as of the time I'm recording this, they're five points behind the Blues, so that's how clear they are of first place. In course you're right now here, this is something to note. The possession numbers and high danger chances aren't going to impress you too much about the Blues. They are a highly defensive team. They play a boring style of hockey. This will not look like the Dallas games. This will not look like the Avalanche games. This could be a real boring-ass hockey game, but hey, Maybe that could work in the Hawks' advantage as long as they're not getting blitzed by offense for 60 minutes like they were the last two games. Maybe it'll work out better for them. Let's hope so. So in the Corsi ratings, the St. Louis Blues are 18th in the National Hockey League with a 49.46. Corsi 4 percentage. Of course, these are all at 5-on-5. Five five. The Blackhawks are 26th in the NHL with a 47.47. Again, Corsi rating measures... Five on five shot attempts for and shot attempts against your percentage is that number. So if there's a hundred chances and 55 of them are against you and 45 are yours, you have a 45% Corsi percentage. Got it? Okay. High danger scoring chances. The St. Louis Blues are 30th in the National Hockey League with a 42.99. They have had 184 high danger chances for, but have allowed 244 against. The Blackhawks, on the other hand, are 45.34%. That's good for 28th in the National Hockey League. 224 high-danger chances for, 270 against. So there's a look at some of the metrics. As far as the scoring leaders go, David Perron leads the St. Louis Blues with 27 points in 28 games. That's 11 goals and 16 assists. All these players, by the way, are all in 28 games. Ryan O'Reilly, second, with six goals and 20 assists for 26 points. Braden Shen, 13 goals and 11 assists for 24 points. Jaden Schwartz, seven goals, 13 assists for 20 points. And Alex Petrangelo, six goals, 13 assists for 20 points. Again, all of those in 28 games. Justin Falk, by the way, the big trade the Blues made early this season that a lot of people thought was going to put them, well, they already won the Stanley Cup, so not necessarily over the top, but was just going to take them to the next level. Justin Falk has sort of struggled. One goal, six assists, seven points. He's been a minus four. Kind of a disappointing start to the season for him. Absolutely, actually. He is only shooting at 2%, which is <laughs> it's kind of unbelievable for a guy whose game has been offense. Um, but again, his career average for shooting percentage is only 6%. But you'd expect more from Justin Falk coming into a uh, really talented team. I don't know. It just has not been what the uh, St. Louis Blues have envisioned when they traded for Justin Falk. By the way, speaking of that, now that we've previewed the St. Louis Blues, you sort of know what to expect tonight. A couple news and notes I wanted to get to. And I was talking to a Red Wings fan I know over the weekend, and I know... The Red Wings are way off Hawks fans' radars as far as opponents go. The rivalry is dead because of the move to the Eastern Conference. It sucks. I hate it. I actually find myself, and maybe it's going to make you hate me, but now that the Hawks don't play them anymore, 
I I kind of like the Red Wings. Like I want them to do well so they're relevant because I want that rivalry to, to mean something again. Do you realize how horrible the Detroit Red Wings are? Listen to this and really listen. Block, put your phone down, turn up the headphones, turn off the computer, and listen to what I'm saying. In 29 games, the Red Wings are 7, 19, and 3. They have 17 total points. 17 points. That's almost impossible. They are horrible. They're seven points behind the LA Kings, who are the bottom team in the Western Conference. They're five points behind the New Jersey Devils. They're so bad. It's it's scary. Franz Nielsen, who they brought in, he played 20 games with the Red Wings before he picked up his first point, and he still hasn't scored a goal. And by the way, remember Brendan Perlini? The Blackhawks traded Brendan Perlini to the Red Wings this season. And people thought, oh, you know, Perlini, I don't know why he can't get in the lineup. He's a big body. He showed last year that he can score a little bit. He did all of his scoring in a handful of games last year. That was it. Like, everything Perlini did was in a stretch of, like, maybe eight days or so. That That's all he did for the Blackhawks since joining the Red Wings. He has played 15 games. He has one assist. The Detroit Red Wings are historically awful. Awful. And good for them. They've got Steve Eiserman in charge of turning it around. And if there's anyone that can do it, it's him. But you think it's tough being a Blackhawks fan right now? The Red Wings are in misery and I know there's a lot of Hawks fans that don't feel bad about that and it's hard for me to have any real sympathy I just want them to be relevant so the Hawks and Wings can maybe mean something again someday that's all but man you're great for 25 years and this is what happens Steve Eiserman has a lot of work to do but there are some Hawks news and notes to get to as well Patrick Kane was named the third star of the week after uh, extending his point streak actually that was last night so Nope, that was Saturday night. So, yeah, his point streak was at 15 games to end November. Obviously a terrific month and terrific season so far for Patrick Kane. Uh, I know there were reports on Sunday that former NHL player Sean Avery said that Mark Crawford, who is now Blackhawks assistant coach, kicked him after he took a too many men on the ice penalty. I will talk about that. I don't have enough information. I don't want to discuss the topic without having done my due diligence on the topic um sean avery is a guy and i never want to doubt a victim and i never want to say he's lying or he's looking for publicity but you've got to consider the source sometimes and sean avery has been a guy who has been controversial to say the least in his time that said for now i'm going to believe him but I want to do the work on my own and find out what happened as best I can. As far as what it means for the Blackhawks, I don't know. If a bunch of people come out and say Mark Crawford abused them physically, then they'll probably have to do something. But I don't think it's 
probably can't decide anything just yet until the story is fully figured out. I guarantee you, though, John McDonough and his cronies are on it. They're investigating, and they will know. Whether they act on it or not is a different story, but they will absolutely know to what end and to what extent Mark Crawford has abused players in the past. If it's a one-off thing with Sean Avery, who can be a pain in the ass, I'm not excusing it by any means. I'm not. But a one-off thing, you can kind of say, you know, heat of the moment, and he just got pissed and did something, which isn't great, still bad. I don't know. There's just a lot more information to find out, so I didn't want to cover it irresponsibly, and I hope um, that is a satisfactory answer. I hope it is, because that's how I'm going to approach everything. If I don't know, I'm not going to pretend to know, and if I do if I do think I know something and I'm wrong, I will admit it. So, but as far as this Mark Crawford story goes, I don't know enough yet. Hopefully in time for uh, Talk Back Tuesday, this week on Wednesday, I'll have a little bit more of a better established uh, understanding of the situation and I can give you a better answer. But until then, going to wrap things up here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Again, final reminder, I know it's Wednesday for the Talk Back segment, but get those questions, get those voicemails in, 708-653-0572 or LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. And again, if you're in the South Burbs, come tonight to the Barrel Club in Oakland, 4910 West from 111th Street. We're going to be watching Hawks Blues with the Madhouse Podcast, uh, me and my partner, James Naveau. We're going to do a live podcast after the game. We're going to hang out, do Q&As during the game. Should be a great time. 88-cent Bud Light and Goose Island 312s, 88-cent appetizers. And if you wear Patrick Kane gear, you get a free shot of the Barrel Club's uh, branded spirits. So it's going to be a great time. That will kick off around 7.15 tonight. Until then, though, we'll talk to you on Tuesday on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Have a great week.